Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one Crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Oh, hi there, and welcome to I Away with Jamila Jamil, a podcast that is designed to end your relationship with shame and self-hate. Now, I am hoping that you're well. I'm currently a bit disorientated because I'm in bloody Germany and I've never lived in Germany before and I'm living here on my own in Berlin for the next couple of months. It's fucking amazing here and the people are great and the food is great and I'm way in over my head surrounded by ridiculously talented people as I come to face maybe one of my top five fears which is singing and dancing on television which I know nobody asked for but I got a part somehow in the new series Bumper in Berlin, which is uh, Pitch Perfect. It's part of the Pitch Perfect franchise. And there are characters from the original who are in it and we're following their story. And I am now adding to that and I'm singing and I'm going to be dancing on the TV. So... I have no idea how that's going to pan out for anyone because these are not things that I'm known for, nor have I done. I mean, since I was a kid, really. And I'm not a kid now, but I do tell you constantly to run at fear. And I tell you about how I run at fear and how I, you know, I always run at failure I don't consider failure to be anything other than noble because you tried when success wasn't guaranteed. Well, you cannot say I do not walk the fucking walk because here I am once again risking global humiliation, permanent global humiliation in pursuit of adventure and finding out what my own boundaries are. I just think that we have this terrible tendency to specifically with people who've been socialised as women to curb not just their appetite but even their ability to discover what they may be capable of and unfortunately you know it's a bit risky but one of the ways to find out what you're capable of is to just fucking try even if you have no idea what you're fucking doing so I am here to find out if I can sing and dance without globally humiliating myself and even if I do even if I'm shit, and if it's shit, I've done my best, and I've done something really brave, and I'm having an adventure and a life experience, and I'm learning stuff and making friends, so it will have been fucking worth it. I feel really lucky to be here. I love this place. I love all the people involved. All of the people involved are just fucking amazing, and I can't really tell you much more beyond that, but just know that as I am here currently shitting my pants with fear, I'm still really glad that I'm not sitting at home wondering what if. I'm not sitting there protecting my ego because I'm afraid to fuck up in front of other people. I'm out here, balls to the wall, just doing what I can to keep my head above water and just enjoying the imposter syndrome of it all. Anyway. Another person who takes massive risks in their career and who is just open to the periphery and the magic of, of life and, and all of the unexpected adventures that come your way is Lacey Mosley, who is my guest this week on this podcast. You may know her as the scam goddess. She has one of the best podcasts in the world and it's about scams and scammers. And Lacey loves a fucking scammer. She loves them. As long as, you know, as long as they're not like actually doing something evil and intentionally harmful. 
She loves someone who just gets away with a good scam. And she's such a funny and interesting and cool woman with such a great story. And this podcast was kind of a different side to her than one would normally hear on The Scam Goddess because she was just so honest with me and upfront and deeply personal and extremely inspiring and talks a lot about her experiences in this industry as a young woman, in particular as a dark-skinned black woman. She talks about how important it is to be your authentic self and takes us through that relationship with her. We talk about her relationship with her body and how she's trying to love herself again, like she did when she was little. We talk about her relationship to her own skin color and the colorism that she has faced because of that skin color. She's someone I think a lot of you will really like. I really like her. And so I'm thrilled to introduce you to the wonderful Lacey Mosley. Lacey Bloody Mosley, welcome to IOA. How are you? I'm good. I that's a lie, but it sounds good. I, I don't know. I think you always say we're good, right? Um. I know. It's uh, especially women. I feel like we would never care to burden anyone with our troubles. Right. I don't think anyone's ever asked me how I was doing. Maybe best friends, and we always laugh. We're like, "How are you doing, Lacey?" I'm like, "Bad. I'm down bad. It's sad. Like I don't think I've ever been <laughs> honest. Because <laughs> I um, make people uncomfortable. No, but you've got you've got a lot going on. I mean, oh, Jesus yeah. Christ. Aside from what's going on in the world. You yourself are going through um, many old things and uh, all at the same time trying to balance uh, a pretty ridiculous career. The last oh, couple of years, it's been really fun. Wow. Just to, uh, no, well, <laughs> uh, I think, therefore, I know exactly probably how it feels. I have watched your rise just be so... Uh, pro- I don't want to say speedy because you've been working at your craft for a really long time mm-hmm. and you are kind of a, a vet in many ways and you're extremely experienced, extremely talented. Oh, um, someone who I think anyone would feel very safe with the production in your hands. But your rise has been like quite meteoric in the last two years and it's been really exciting to watch thank you thank you um what has it felt like you all right uh, (laughs) that's the wild thing um I've really had to start chastising myself but also being kinder to myself so in some ways I'll chastise myself and in the sense of you need to be grateful like you should be happy like not you should be happy because I think that's putting too much pressure on like not feeling your own feelings, but allowing myself to pause and like enjoy things and be excited by things because unfortunately all of the really good things that have happened in my life in the past like two, two and a half years have also been coupled with some of the worst things that have happened. So I found myself distracted trying to, you know, take care of family or worry about things that are going on or COVID or yeah, you know, a war, uh, you know, is popping. Um, and then I'm also trying to make art and, and be happy and be excited about opportunities, things that I uh, was really excited about all being moved virtually, uh, sitting in my house alone, watching my first, you know, late night show on Conan and like falling asleep. My mom called me and woke me up and was like, oh, you know, your Conan episode came out that I had to shoot in a car because I was on location and I had to drive to a coffee shop and steal Wi-Fi. So everything is, <laughs> it's, all, it's been good, but it's also chaos at the same time. Totally. And you've like, you've wanted to do this forever. I mean, you do yeah. so, you do so many things within the kind of entertainment spectrum. I think similarly with me, we kind of, both of us refuse to be put into a box you're not yeah. just an actress, you're not just a comedian, you're not just a podcaster, uh, not just a, a personality. You are all of those different things. And so have you have you wanted to do all this? Because all of this came to me as a surprise in my 20s. I didn't plan on doing this at all. Was this something that you always had your kind of heart set on? That's interesting you say that. That reminds me of when you did my podcast and you were talking about how you were a teacher at a time. And yeah, you've, you've, I think all of that experience that you've had in life has brought such an amazing color to all the work that you do, which is excellent. Thank you. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it all kind of happened a little bit accidentally. I always knew I wanted to act or I thought I wanted to act. And then um, when I started to realize, you know, as a dark skinned woman, um, 
opportunities, you know, they are way more abundant now than they were when I first started pursuing this as a professional career. And at the time I was like, well, I don't want to sit around and wait for opportunities to happen to me. Um, I feel really bad for performers who are really, really good at their crafts, but can't make anything. But I don't think it's true that anyone that you can't, that anyone can't make things. I think that that's the thing that's been great about the internet become it's the internet and Instagram and all these platforms where we can all speak. They have their negative sides, but they also have a great, you know, democratizing aspect of like anybody can make anything and anybody can garner the attention of the world, you know, if they work hard enough and try hard enough. So I guess what I'm saying is, is that I I feel bad for artists who feel like they can't make things because and we encourage them to try. Yes. And I'm encouraging them to try. Right. Because be feeling like a sitting duck and hoping that someone's going to make something that you're fit for and that you get in the room for and that you have the opportunity, you know, to, you know, get that's, that's really stressful, you know, it can feel hopeless at times. So was there a lot of rejection at first? Yeah. Oh, there still is honey. You know how many times I audition for things really? that, are sitting, that are sitting in some A-listers inbox. I'm like, girl, why did y'all even send me this? <laughs> 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 it's, it's gonna be you or Viola Davis, girl. <laughs> no. Hey, at some point, Viola Davis got an email that was sitting in someone else's inbox. Do you know what I mean? Like, at some point, we're gonna need to find the next Viola Davis. But I don't know what you mean. Yeah, I'm um, sitting in the shadows, like my client. I'm, I'm ready. Um, yeah. And so, so that's why you then started working in kind of like comedy troops and then you started making your own podcast and all of these different things becoming more of a comedian to make sure that you could kind of take ownership of your own career one to take ownership but mostly I started because I really needed community um I think that if you're gonna be an artist and I think people are born as artists so if you want to pursue making art your full-time job it's important to surround yourself not only with people who live outside of that space and your friends from wherever walks of life but also people who are inside that space who you can get advice from who you can work with who you can share an same experience because I feel like that gave me a lot of confidence um because I was distracted I was making sketches I had a ton of wigs in my car you know what I mean yeah maybe I wasn't getting every job that I auditioned for but I wasn't checking the email or calling my reps or you know hoping like I would just send every audition and I learned this from um a wonderful teacher in college his name is Ken Bolden and I talked about him in the Vultures uh 2020 Uh, what was it 22 comedians you should watch this year ken bolden he told me every audition is just an opportunity to entertain people and so if you treat it that way and you don't hope for them to like you and you don't hope for an opportunity to come out of it if you just do the art and you try to entertain people with the little time you have you take the ego out of it and then your nerves aren't involved and then you're not hoping you're not pick me yeah exactly you're not thirsty yeah i i I was given similar advice because i hate auditioning where i was told that imagine that's your only chance you might ever get to play that role so just enjoy it as much as possible and i think that's also just like a really i think they're both just really nice really pressure free and joyous ways to embrace what is otherwise a fucking (laughs) like soul destroying experience i think anyone who isn't in this industry that probably can't imagine how how weird there's an aspect of it that's similar to any job interview uh or even a no, i don't want to say a date that sounds a bit me too era but i just mean you know <laughs> you're sure you want to put be. your best foot forward exactly yeah, to yeah. pre-2016 maybe it did feel like a date but uh whether you wanted to or not but um but you're like so much of the time even when you get up there and you start getting credits to your name and you start doing well, you're just sitting in a room full of other people who all want to do the same job that you want to do. Mm-hmm. And then they call you in. And I don't know if this has been your experience, but they barely look up from their page. You come in, you do your lines, they sort of boss you around a little bit. And then uh, they don't really ask you any questions. You get one take, maybe two, if they kind of liked what you did and see potential and they give you a note. And then they just don't read any kind of reaction as to whether or not they enjoyed it. And then you leave. See, I have, I I have a weird experience because... You have a great time, don't you? You bastard. Okay. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) 
where did that knife come from, Jamila? <laughs> no, um, I no, I have a weird experience because my first job was a series regular on this show called Florida Girls uh, that my one of my best friends, Laura Chen, wrote. And then after the audition process, I found out that she wrote the role for me. Um, but oh, not that's during. really sweet. So I missed a lot of the go sees of meeting the casting directors and like doing that whole process. Uh, what I'm more familiar with is tapes. <laughs> oh, I pretty much refuse. I've I've had some auditions in person, and I will say to to your point. The auditions I had in person, they were like casting directors bossing you around, but it was never in my experience them like not looking up at me or not paying attention. Almost the opposite, where I felt like I was being kind of like hoed a little bit, where it would be like, I remember doing an audition. I won't say for what, because I actually got the job, but I did the same read like 18 times, no lie. And every single time they're like, okay, this time she's sad. Okay, this time she's desperate. Okay, this time she's... And, and by the time I got to like the 12, 14, I was like, are y'all fucking with me? Like, what is, is where's Ashton? Where are the cameras? This is the basic. I will say something to the point of the, the weird power dynamic between casting directors and actors, which I do not subscribe to anymore. But obviously I know that that is a privilege. I remember a casting director when I was in New York City who really fucked up my head for a few years. I'll never forget this racist white lady... Oh, I wish I remembered her name because I would find her and I would <laughs> I wouldn't do anything what to happened? her. I just want to stunt. Um so I went to one of those scams, which if you don't know this, y'all, this is a scam if you're trying to do anything entertainment, where you pay to pat the casting director, honey. You pay for a little class where you go. It was so popular around like 2015, 2016. You give your coins up to sit in a room and let a casting director tell you what you should be doing as an actor and how to get cast and how to make the casting directors happy. All this bullshit. Casting directors have no power. Literally, they are a middleman. The producers, the people who are working on the project are the people who are going to choose the talent. The casting directors just filtered through auditions and they've made actors because where behest of them feels like oh it's christmas i gotta mail out these thank you cards and these starbucks gift cards to these casting agencies for bringing me in and i gotta pay them Wait, to shit, go to their do you sessions. Do that? i didn't but it was advice that was given to me when i first moved to los angeles was like Oof. mail them like your little picture but also with a little gift card at the holidays and thank them for bringing you in and also the bs and it's like this is your job and actors already is pay to play you're putting out so much money in the beginning of your career on photos from criminals and scammers anybody with a nikon you're you know paying for classes you're paying you're probably waiting a table or have a side hustle if you're not lucky enough to have parents who support mm-hmm. you you know you're doing so much to further your career that is all paying in and not necessarily getting paid back to you in the beginning so i think it's just so predatory but my point about the casting director was i was in new york went to this pay-to-play scam and i remember i did an audition it was like i think she was a commercial casting too which the audacity and mm-hmm. I remember reading and then she told me afterwards, you know, you're like very sassy and that's not what people are looking for in black people anymore. And like, you don't have to be a stereotype and like, you know, we're looking for more nuanced performances. And I really took it to heart of like, am I like, and also this is a white lady telling me I'm a coon. Hold on. And then it took me years to realize that, oh, I can't be anything other than myself and what I have to bring to something. And that's not always going to be right. But if I'm coming in here trying to be something that someone else likes, then I'm automatically like putting myself in the losing category. Like, And I think a lot of people don't realize that. I think that's what it is, that we are so encouraged to just blend in, be sheep. And yet all the people who made it are the ones who stuck to their own thing. Mm-hmm. I think we're all taught too much about like, you know, when you watch read articles where it's like the Meryl Streep's and the people who um, really like to get into method acting, um, we, we kind of look at that stuff and they're like, oh, this is what I should be doing at my auditions. When it's like those people are at a different level where they're getting offered roles and putting in fake teeth and wigs and shit. When you're starting out, like you're slanging you like you got to go in there, be you, do you. And that's what makes you an individual. I think trying to stand out, trying to be different, trying to not blend in for me has been my strength throughout my entire almost 15 year career now it's just like get weird be different have people dislike you have people find you annoying have people be offended by the 
fact that you've had the same hairstyle since you were two years old. <laughs> if it works, just, it works. just don't, just, just feel free to like find your own, your own authenticity, your own like freedom. And I feel as though that's going to resonate with the right people, the people who also want to be free. I think there is, I think there is a fear that makes people hate other people's freedom, that those people don't feel safe yes. to be free themselves. So they try to hate on or curb your freedom. And so I think if you're looking for the right people, the right community, the right following, the right fans, the right whatever, I think I think the people that I want to care about me and to like me are those who want to be free themselves. Ding, ding, ding. And that you know works I mean? everywhere. That works so, everywhere. So growing up, are you... Were you confident? Were you always like happy about the way that you looked? Were you happy with your personality at school? Like, were you popular? I feel like you would be super popular because you <laughs> have an objectively fantastic personality. Thank you. So do you. No, I wasn't popular. I was, uh, I joke about this. I was powerful. Um, and only because my mom, my parents sheltered me. I wasn't allowed to go nowhere, honey, with nobody. People would have sleepovers. My mom was like, Mm-mm, I used to be a caseworker. What if the dad comes home and kills the whole family? And you dare, and you die too. No. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, this is just a cheerleader's body going to, I can't go. Okay. <laughs> I was sheltered. That's so dramatic. So like sheltered and deeply traumatized at the same time. <laughs> Truly, I never thought about it, but it's like, yeah, mom, it's like 2 p.m. What? That's that's a lot. <laughs> Just oh to drop God. and then move on. I uh, love my mother. But um, yeah, so the only way that I could be outside of my house was to be involved in school. So I ran track. I was a cheerleader. I was student council president and student body president. And then they made me give up one. So I kept the one with the speech my senior year. Um, I, I just did anything that I could to get out of the house. Um, I was lucky enough that as a kid, I, I don't remember thinking about my body. Um, I worked out a lot and I don't remember thinking my body looked good. And I don't remember thinking it looked bad. I just don't remember focusing Wonderful. on it, uh, which now is completely the opposite. And I'm trying to channel like high school Lacey because now working in TV you know, your body is a part of your product. Uh, so I do think about my body a lot now. Um, I try to keep it healthy, but I'm not going to say that it's always healthy. Um, right now, I'm in the middle of a body problem. Yeah. So when you say healthy, just to be clear to anyone listening, you're not just saying like thin and with abs. You're saying literally alive, functioning, able to yes. pull a 16 hour day. Yes. I don't associate healthiness with thinness. Yeah, um, exactly. I think that's um, when did you notice like being aware of your body start to creep in? Um, I would probably say when I was like 25, um, right. so a little bit later in life, mm-hmm. that's when I really started, like I, the first show I shot was Florida girls and we were always in swimsuits. So I'm shooting a comedy show where I'm constantly in swimsuits and running oh, around. Fuck and, me. Yeah. <laughs> it was wild. Um, and so, yeah, I was very conscious of like, how's this going to look like kind of trying to pose in scenes or like look at playback to make sure like I don't have like a, my stomach isn't hanging out or whatever, you know, um, my arm, you know, keep my arm further from my body because it looks thinner that way. Insane things that like, you shouldn't be thinking about where you're trying to do comedy and make art. Um, no, that was me. Uh, that was me on my first presenting job when people used to be like, you're shit. Um, I used to think they were just being mean, but then I watched it back a few years ago and I was like, I was shit. (laughs) That was was fair. And it's because I was so consumed with the way that I looked that all I was thinking of is, do I look thin right now? Like, are my legs far far enough apart? Are my arms far enough apart from my body? Blah, 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 blah. Do I look pretty enough? Does my, does my face look thin enough? Um, the whole, while I'm speaking, like I shouldn't smile. Otherwise that'll make my cheeks puff out too much. Like, so it's beyond narcissism. It's like, it's all the way through to like full, Neuro- like I was neurotic and and con- and consumed and therefore I wasn't concentrating at all on what I was delivering. I was just reading the teleprompter and right. making sure that I looked like a fashion girl rather than actually like trying to entertain anyone. Yeah. Well, it's Is hard because it- that's half of our business. Like I kind of always say there's like, you know, performers, there's comedians, there's dramatic actors, there's models. So there's literal models who are in the acting industry who fit model proportions, who also walk runways. And there's that's no shade to them because a lot of them are fantastic actors as well. But it's mm. like when that's what's 
juxtaposed to you as the norm for your industry, then you start to forget that, like, well, the, the model, like, the girls in Euphoria with all their talent and beauty, like, I, I wouldn't believe that, you know, they were a mother of, of four, uh, you know, working in Philadelphia and, and taking the bus to work. But that's a job. That's a role in acting. So there's places for different looking people but you you see those people in magazines so often that you're thinking like that's the standard like that's what i need to look like in order to be able to work and be successful and if that's not what you're naturally born as then that can create an unhealthy relationship with your body image which I and it also makes you a sucky fucking performer yeah but i not, went away i went I'm away and they're the reason that that's happening i'm saying that the industry has of made this a toxic environment not that if you are a person who looks that way that's not your fault and that's amazing and also people look different ways than that are amazing too i'm just saying like our industry has made it very toxic a hundred percent it was the same thing with ageism it's not young people's fault you know what i mean it's right. just Let's it's, see, it's a all yeah. supple at one point i love it get out there <laughs> but, uh, but, um, but going away and doing radio made a better performer and a better comedian out of me and I did that for four years where no one could see me and I couldn't rely on anything to do with the way that I looked and I wonder if doing your podcast which is like such a huge like it started as a cult hit and now it's just like a hit hit scam goddess which is how we first met and had a yes. fucking dramatic <laughs> start to our friendship jesus christ but did doing a podcast kind of help you separate that anxiety um and just like help you hone in on your craft where you don't have to feel self-conscious you are just there being engaging be like working with conviction absolutely um I think doing the podcast more than anything gave me a sense of autonomy that I didn't realize I was going to get. Um, I had been creating things and, you know, doing stand up and performing live, but to have something that I create and produce and work with a lot of talented people to put out every single week for the past two and a half, almost three years. Um, it really gave me a sense of like, Oh, I don't have to look a certain way. I don't have to do things the way that other people want me to do them to be successful. Um, and I really needed that. That helped a lot because I won't lie. There's been auditions that I turned down because I was like, oh, they want a full body sleeve and I'm not thin enough for this role. I'm not going to waste my time. Um, or I'm not light skinned enough for this role, which honestly, I'm sorry. There are some colorists out there who they don't miss with the colorism, honey. So I'm not wrong to not waste my time. But at the same right. time, it's like, why is that the first thought in my head when I'm reading this material? Whereas now I'm like, well, you'll be lucky to have me. I'm great. And so if I like the stuff, then I'll submit the audition no matter what I feel like I'm up against. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, listen, we all carry around different stresses, big, small, medium size, and a lot of us keep them bottled up because sometimes we just have to. But doing that all of the time can really, really start to negatively impact your life. And I say that from experience. I'm British. We are told to never say how we're feeling about anything ever. And uh, that's why so many of us are so sad. Now, a way that I was able to remedy that was by having therapy, which was super helpful for me, not only because it's amazing to get things off your chest, but also all week you know as you're bottling things up because it's not always the time or place to say exactly how you feel you know you're gonna get that hour where you're able to get everything off your chest and say it exactly as you want to and this therapist isn't gonna take it personally and they're not gonna hold it against you or throw it back in your face during an argument over dinner next week you just have this complete freedom honestly I think everyone should have therapy regardless of whether they think they need it because it's so amazing to have a confidant it's a journal that talks back to you and helps you with all of your problems. I think therapy is just a safe space to get everything off your chest to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, then maybe you should give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be super convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and then you can switch therapists if you don't like them anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com forward slash iWay today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iWay. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. 
So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. I would like to talk about uh, the colorism aspect of what you've noticed in this industry and what exists in this industry. Uh, would would it be all right if we could talk about this? Because you've touched on so many like elements of colorism in show business, not just from the point of view of casting and hiring and when roles for even like existing darker skinned women are given to lighter skinned actresses who they either make look darker skinned or just keep as a light skinned version of this like dark skinned black woman who is an icon. Um, And I don't know if it happens more with black women than black men. Oh, absolutely. More I, black women. I would I say so. Yeah. I don't know if it happens with black men at all. Um, right. The black right. male, darker skinned black male has always been sexualized, which is not a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the benefits to something that is really awful um, in our history is, is that, you know, they're seen as desirable. Um, I would say that the dark skinned woman is probably maybe just above uh, dark skinned black trans women when it comes to like how much we all get punched down on and are expected to uplift communities and, and help people, but at the same time are not considered to be soft or feminine or worthy of protection. And that they're just bleeds- service. Yeah, service, just service. And right. then don't let us complain. Don't let us say our, our, our backs hurt and our feet are tired. And then we're like, shut up, you winch. Get out of here, darkie. Um, so, you know, that's my life. Fuck me. And, yeah, and it's and not I, just in the industry. Like, this does no, exist out in the world. I remember everywhere. a tweet. I remember a tweet of yours from years ago where you were talking about being on an airplane. I might get this wrong, sorry. But I no, feel like right. you said you were on an airplane, you were loading your bags into the hold. And, and this guy, apropos of nothing, just said to you, I don't normally fancy darker skinned women, but you're really cute along those lines, correct? Yeah. What a fucking nerve. Oh, yeah. That what a weird of, backhanded compliment. And that kind of casual colorism is a part, is so deeply entrenched in my daily life that if I were to acknowledge every instance of it, I would. I, it's just like James Baldwin said, you know, to be black and relatively conscious is to be angry, you know, basically all the time. That's a a little bit of a bastardization of that quote. But yeah, I would be angry all the time. I'd be upset. I'd be hurt all the time. So obviously I made it just a little joke get, you know, earlier about it um, because I have to let it roll off. I mean, earlier this week, uh, well, earlier last week, I was performing somewhere. And then afterwards we were talking about dating apps and somebody was like, oh, well, why aren't you on this app? And I was like, I am, but it's kind of racist. I only see a certain type of people, other people I know who are on it, see people I've never seen before. And, um, fuck me i've never heard of that before yeah 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 yeah. i'll say it it's raya raya's racist um i'll say it so so do you have to because i haven't uh oh god i only went on dating apps for like one week um because james Mm. broke up with me like seven years ago for about a week and so i immediately went on like tinder and i met (laughs) i organized something like 17 dates in one week which is really excessive and i met all of them um late morning (laughs) and made them drink a coffee standing up outside a police station <laughs> you might just take a quick mug. <laughs> amazingly, yeah, amazingly, I didn't get uh, laid. Amazingly, that didn't like start a vibe. Anyway, um, so I haven't been because I've been with James since for the whole of the rise of yeah. of dating apps. Do you have to put your like? I don't know, ethnic background into, is that how the algorithm can determine how to discriminate against you? I'm truly not sure what it is. Um, I just know that it happens because I have friends who are white or light and they see people on that app that I never see and we live very, very close to each other. Um, It's just, it's a thing. I know darker skinned actresses who like couldn't get on the app because they like, and were very famous, more famous than me because they are plus size or whatever it's just a very discriminatory whatever and it's it's gotten less so probably because they want money but it's it sucks uh but the point was i was having this conversation with another black comedian my skin tone maybe darker actually and um they were like oh 
yeah, I see. They're like, oh, I almost went on a date with Kesha. And we laughed. And they were like, oh, yeah, I only see like blonde, tall, white women. I was like, oh, is your profile like such a Nordic or something? Joking. And he was like, oh, no, no, no. I date black women, like light-skinned black women. Like, I love them. And I'm sitting here in all my darkness. And this is just, and like, conversation keeps moving. I don't say anything about it. And then when he walks away, I tell my white girlfriend, who didn't clock it, obviously. Um, not to say that some people wouldn't. But um, I tell her, I was like, did you hear that? And she was like, oh, my God, no. Like, I just registered. I was like, yeah, that happens literally all the time, like, every single day. And it's hard when black men do it because it's like, wow, like, we know white people are going to, like, hate us. But, like, you look like me. <laughs> like, bro, I could be your mom and you don't like dark-skinned women. It's cool. such a fucking crazy thing to say. And it's also, like, there are so many layers beyond just the colorism. It's also, like, oh, do you think... Do you think Lacey might be interested in you so quickly trying to let her down? It's like, you fucking wish. You yeah. fucking wish that Lacey was interested in you. You're gorgeous. You are drop-dead gorgeous. Um, but do you know what I mean? That feeling of like, oh yeah, I date this type of person that you are not. So like, don't bother trying. Sweetheart. Like, why would you say that? I would never just casually say that to anyone, even if it were true. I just don't think it's necessary. Yeah. I only date tall people or only date, I don't know. I, I, oh God. Or in, you know, film and television, it's reading roles and which a lot of times in movies where the men are protagonists, the role for the woman is already like so counterproductive. It's usually either like she's so supportive or she's just a mad bitch who's in the way with all of her thoughts and, and, and feelings. You know what I mean? Like we're... The, what is this <laughs> you're saying specifically for black women? I'm saying specifically for women in general. Right, like right, right, if right. you can find a meaty role as a support like woman in a piece and there's so many more now than there used to be but you mm -hmm. know like there's still those tropes especially if the movie is centered around the man and whatever he's doing so i'll read these roles and it's like a supportive woman or whatever i read one last week and i didn't audition and this is for a black producer that i'm not gonna say but is a widely known colorist and the role was to be the love interest and i was like there's no way i'm dark skin i'm not like hollywood thin why would i waste my time even auditioning for this mm. You know, and so it you sucks didn't to think that you way, take yourself out the game. Yeah. Oh, that's so frustrating. Cause there's like a part of me that, I mean, all of me agrees with you and understands where you're coming from. But there's a part of me that's also just like, oh, I hate it. I hate whenever we are defeated to the point that we don't even put ourselves up for it. Like that is a real fuckery, isn't it? Of the yeah. power of the industry where would they make us like check ourselves out? It is and, so, in, it is so infuriating. I kind of hard. ebb and, I ebb and flow through that. Like there are things I used to take myself out for, but now I'm just like, maybe they'll change the role for me, <laughs> which is extremely delusional because there are legit five South Asians in the whole of the Western media. Um, but there's just like a little part of me. I mean, right now I'm, I'm, you know, I'm doing a role that was intended for a blonde white woman. So there is a chance. Mm -hmm. I do encourage people to, if it doesn't completely destroy your fucking soul and take up all of your time to try to push through and Lacey does. And Lacey just did. Um, Lacey, you are doing a, you, I mean, you have just completed a very cool support role for a woman where, where the nuance has been kind of very intentionally poured into your character. And that's in iCarly. Yes. Yes. Um, and shout out to Francesca Ramsey because she did so much work behind the scenes to make sure God, I love that her. I love her too, to make sure that Harper was a fully realized human being and not just like a sassy, supportive, you know, Negro sidekick. Um, oh God! <laughs> I mean, you have to you have uh, call to, it what it is. You, yeah. you know, speak and your they, fucking truth. I get right. it. But, um, but even again, so you had that empowering role. You were great, by the way, and are great. Thanks. And uh, and so many people that I know just think you're such an impressive performer. But you also got such an amazing like. A, I don't always reach out to people when they're in some sort of like Twitter controversy or something like that, because I don't want to, sometimes it can make someone feel worse if you text them as in like, oh God, it makes you feel like, oh God, everyone is seeing this. But it was so insane what happened when your part was even just announced, but also then aired regarding like just quite extraordinary racism online. Yeah, and I do appreciate you reaching out. Um, and it definitely didn't feel like a pile on, especially because at that point, I knew it was everywhere. Um, 
That was bittersweet because I've had some work environments that were very, very hard um, as an actress. Um, I've been sent to the hospital. I've had people touch me inappropriately, kiss me. Like, just oh my crazy God. things happen on you set. You got sent to the hospital? Mm-hmm. I told the set that I told, and I was number one on that call sheet. I told them that I was allergic to cedar trees and they gave, like, I will have an asthma attack. They had me off camera reading lines to Ron Funches. I don't care. I'll say it. It's not Ron's fault. And, um... I went to the, I collapsed like, and I told them I would, but because I wasn't, you know, a white woman, I wasn't treated with care. I remember one time my first AD tripped and broke his fall on me, um, on that same set. It was insane. That set was insane. And I actually had some guy comedians come on who are dear friends of mine who were like, what is going on? And they started speaking up. They're like, what the hell is going on here? Wow. Um, but anyway, so I had prayed and that's just one set. I had prayed to God and I had also made my boundaries very clear for myself. I was like, I don't want another bad job. I don't want to go to another job where I literally just feel like i want to die um i can't eat shit anymore and um and then i remember doing a um i got the offer or i know i got a test offer for icarly i never auditioned for it didn't see the scripts and then they were like oh would you like to meet the showrunner so i met with the showrunner ali shout and at the time the same day we got on zoom and i asked her straight up i was like are there any bad people over there? Like, I know I don't have the job yet, but like, if there's someone making the work environment miserable, if there's someone who's mistreating people, don't, don't even, let's not even do this audition because I promise you I will quit. I will cost you a lot of money. I don't care what it costs. It's not worth my peace. I'm mm-hmm. not going back into another shit storm. And she was like, hey, she was completely candid with me and I cannot say what those things were, but she gave me confidence t- enough to be like, okay, well, yeah, I'll come in and I'll read. And I love the cast. They're wonderful people. We're friends. They're amazing. I always felt welcome and not welcome like that fake welcome. Like, hey, like, no, they were like, how we all family? Like, it, like, there's a real love there between all of us. Um so to go into a job like that where everyone's so nice and, and you're working and you're having a great time. Um, and you're really excited. And we'd had a deadline come out uh, announcing that Jaden and I had joined the show, but there were no pictures. And I got one DM, like a Brazilian woman who looked black, <laughs> calling me a, a nigger with hard R. And, oh, my God. And I was like, but she looked black. And I was like, wait a minute. I says, we might be. Mm. And, you know, I asked the wrong person. <laughs> I asked Jerry Drainer. I was like, yo, Jerry, are y'all fans racist? <laughs> And I think about it and I laugh and we laugh about it because I'm like, I just asked a tall white man with excellent hair if his fans were racist. What, how would he know that? <laughs> how? Mm-hmm. He wouldn't. And to Jerry's credit, when all of the stuff started happening with the racism, he was the one who reported it to the network. Um, I was more in the headspace of, I guess I'm just going to eat shit quietly. Um, it, it, that was a real slap in the face because I was really happy at that job and um to have the photos come out of us announcing the air date and then who people who i do not call iCarly fans because i think the real fans are wonderful people and they've all been very kind to me i think those are some assholes um but to have basically on every single platform your younger sister all of your family seeing people just calling you the n-word and monkey and every spelling of n-word you can imagine so even if i blocked it like there was other ways you know how many diphthongs and and other characters you can spell n-word with a lot um (laughs) people got creative i was like y'all know duolingo huh because wow Yeah, yeah yeah um but yeah, no, it was hard. I actually had a panic attack at work and um, I've never actually said this anywhere publicly and had to get oxygen. And, <laughs> and that was me. Yeah, that was after I had turned off my phone. Uh, TMZ made it a lot worse. Thanks, TMZ. They took a story off of my Instagram, which I did not realize was something that media outlets were following and they posted it. And then there was that made everything worse Then every news publication picked it up. And I was in a table read and my phone was exploding and so I'm just trying to read my lines as a network tailor. I'm trying to get the jokes off. And then afterwards, I'm like, it's fine. I'll just turn my phone off. I'll go to work. Thank God we had a black director there that week. Maura Nike. She's fantastic. Because, uh, yeah, I remember we were rehearsing. I didn't have my phone on. I thought I felt fine. And then my chest got really tight. And I kind of snuck off the soundstage, so I thought. And one of the stand-ins, Joe, who's great, he saw me. And he was like, I don't think something's wrong with Lacey. And I was collapsed <laughs> front of the south stage i laugh because i'm uncomfortable um mm. and i was in and, and the whole time i've been so traumatized acting that i was like i'm so sorry like i'll be fine by lunch like i'm apologizing while they like take the golf cart to my trailer and they like take my blood pressure and it's really high and they give me oxygen and i'm like laying on this couch 
crying and apologizing. And I'm like, I'll be fine after lunch. Like, I'm so sorry. And they're like, can you please? I think it was Miranda who was like, Lacey, please stop apologizing to us. This is fine. <laughs> this is actually fucking, fine. It was fucking mad to watch. And I'm so sorry that happened to you. And how is your mental health for that now? Uh, great. I mean, I will. Right. Yeah, I have a, I have a great uh, therapist um, who's a black woman and she has a lot of people in the entertainment industry so she understands but at the same time she like doesn't watch tv so she's never like oh girl i saw you last night like it's very professional um and and she's a great outlet for talking about these frustrations i will say that after i blocked all the slurs that i possibly could and Mm -hmm. um the network put out a statement which was great and so did the writers it's it's slowed down like this when we dropped the season error date april 8th for this season it was overwhelmingly positive and i remember the day that the first episode of the show came out the first season i didn't watch it i stayed off twitter and francesca uh texted me at like two in the morning she was like get on twitter i was like oh girl nah i can't take no more <laughs> and she was like no it's good i would never tell you to get on twitter for something bad and i was like okay so i got on and i was trending my character name harper was trending and it was just the nicest stuff and like little black girls and little you know queer girls uh, you know and girls of color like happy and that um was really vindicating um so yeah that's lovely i've got goosebumps that made me really happy <laughs> oh. I'm really glad. I'm really glad. And, and, and for however shit that is, and that's happened to me before, uh, when that pylon happened where everyone was accusing me of all kinds of shit mm-hmm. and lying about being queer and having munchies and all this different shit. Mm-hmm. Um, I was on set at legendary, um, and I had to go on to anti-anxiety medication, like very, very strong, the strongest anti-anxiety medication, which like pretty much knocked me out just to be able to survive most of that season. So then when the season fucking came out, people were just like, why is she even there? She seems so checked out. I'm like, I was high. I was high. I was, I had to be high because you were all sending me death threats <laughs> and I didn't know how else to cope. Um, I didn't think you were, I thought you were very engaged. I enjoyed John Legendary, but I understand what you're saying. I like, got better with season two. I wasn't on drugs and nor in season three. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just currently <laughs> shooting now, but I was on the strongest drugs to be able to just like be able to sit there because my panic attacks were so intense. I think people just don't imagine when they're writing these like really dehumanizing, horrific things mm-hmm. publicly to or about people in ways that even if they don't write it to you, if it goes viral, it's going to find you because other people snitch tag you in stuff. Um, they just don't realize like, what it's like to try to continue to do your job through all of that when your job is to make people feel happy and make people feel escapism how can you do that when you yourself feel like you can't escape your own brain it's a really like it's a really weird shitty time and what I will say is that having come out of that now and I hate that I say this but I now feel like I can handle anything and I feel stronger for it and I now kind of feel like oh I survived that and actually they don't have any power on me and I wonder if you feel the same it's like here you are season two overwhelmingly positive career flying face fantastic life got beautiful <laughs> pink wall behind you like life aside from you know some things in your life that are being you know that are personal and are difficult to figure out like generally shit is carrying on in a way that at least from the outside seems overwhelmingly positive and has there been anything like that that's come out of that moment for you that where it's like, okay, I didn't break. I can move forward like with more confidence now. Yeah. I mean, one, I'm so sorry that happened to you. And I remember I didn't know you at the time. I think I followed you on social at the time, but I didn't know you, Mm. but that was so awful. Um, I do remember that time. It was really awful. And yeah, I mean, people don't realize that you are going to see that stuff, whether you're looking for it or not. I think the thing that really hurt me was my family um, when when it started to reach my family, you know, my sister's same, family. Yeah. Same. It, that was it's my brother. Yeah. Then I was angry. It was yeah. like hurt, but also rage. Uh, I had to ask the woman who was instigating all of this stuff in DM. I was like, listen, I was like, I know I'm fair game because I'm a public figure, but please, can you stop making fun of my mom and my brother's disability online? Yeah, that's sick. Insane that I had to say that to her. Right. And, and you know, it's, it's clout chasing and people want attention and likes. And I yeah, think yeah. that that's a part of our culture now. But you're talking to real people. And I always consider that. I don't even like critique art or anything that I see online, period. 
unless it's something harmful because I'm like, I got a group chat for that. Like if I want to yeah. talk about an outfit that I don't like or something, I have a group chat for that. I'm not going to put that online where someone could potentially see it. I think that's so messed up. Um, but I will say that walking out of um, that entire situation, one racism is old, it's tired. It's not new. It's certainly not new to me. I'm from Texas. Um, mm. And honestly, it boosted my profile. It, I didn't like that. It, um, overshadowed a lot of the hard work that I've done from being like, oh, this is a new comedian to like, this is the racism girl. That sucked. Um, when people recognize you because they're like, oh yeah, you was, they, they was doing that racism <laughs> to you. <laughs> like, I would hope it's for like the podcast or jokes or well, show it that is was now. <laughs> it is now. It was like, oh, you was the Ruby Bridges of Paramount Plus. <laughs> no, I don't oh, want that to be. And I'm not, that is not to discourage Ruby. He's on Instagram. <laughs> uh, but you know, like, that's not what I wanted to be known for. But I will say afterwards, I was like, wow, okay, this is, this is not going to phase me. You can say things behind your computer. And, and honestly, I have a lot of pity for the people who do this, these sorts of things, because you have to be an incredibly hurt individual to spend so much time uh, trying to bring negativity into other people's lives because I've just never seen somebody who was like happy and having the best day and out on the beach. And they're like, hold on, I got to go hate. Nobody. Yeah. No one ever just, no one ever just came. I feel like that is one of the ways in which I think about it. And then got on Twitter and wrote something mean to someone else. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. It's just like no one's euphoria. And they're like, yeah, there's no, there's no dopamine involved. And I can say this as someone who has been a massive internet cunt, which I've spoken about many times on this, on this uh, (laughs) podcast, you know, I've been really, really um, snappy and it's often because I have been unhappy. That wasn't supposed to rhyme, sorry. Anyway, um, (laughs) uh, and I like the fact that you talk about the, and I mean, I go through this a lot, you know, I do my own makeup on absolutely everything because I'm so sick of people still making me look lighter skinned than I am or trying to like, just, just, or like trying to make my features look different or mm-hmm. smaller the contours or my, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or like, or someone like, um, trying to cover up my stretch marks that look like massive track marks up my breasts. Like just, just not asking me and just like going with a sponge covered in makeup to like cover up my stretch mm-hmm. marks on my breasts as if like, Oh, we mustn't, no one, no one should see those. And I'm like, I walk around with these all day. Don't make the decision for me that these are like abhorrent and mustn't be seen. Yeah. Otherwise I, it breaks the fantasy. So you've talked a lot about the lack of um, black representation behind the camera, especially for dark skinned performers. And I think like, I'd say every, like, regardless of, you know, how dark skinned or not they are, like every black friend yeah. of mine in this industry. <laughs> I think that's an excellent point too, is, is like, struggles. obviously on the color spectrum, like you're fairer skin than I am. But I think once you get to the point where there's just like a little more than a tan of melanin, then the, for some reason, the expertise in these trained makeup artists just completely falls away. Now that's a broad stroke. I obviously have encountered uh, nowadays more often, and, and that does also have to do with me requesting it, um, I meet and encounter makeup artists of all races who can do my makeup, but that certainly is not always the case. Um, it's certainly always a fear walking into every single set that I've ever single like ever been on. Um, I don't think I've ever been on a set and not brought my makeup and all of my hair tools in my purse, Same. except for a black lady sketch job. I have a little roll-on <laughs> suitcase. Yeah, that I bring with yep. me. Every single there's time. no confidence that I'm definitely going to be. Well represented. Mm-mm. I'm in a movie playing a bride, and I, I won't say which movie, but you can figure it out. Where I have no makeup on, and I am a bride. And the, I remember the makeup artist coming up to my face, and he was like, "You have beautiful skin." And if I hear that from a makeup artist, it is very like uh, triggering for me. I'm like, "Wait a minute, where is this going?" He was like, "I don't have to do anything to it." He puts some setting powder on my face and <gasps> gives me great lash mascara and sends me on my way. And I remember crying in my makeup trailer because this was the first movie I'd ever done, and I was so excited. And I had no makeup on. <laughs> Which as an actor is something is distracting because then you're thinking about how you look instead of, you know, what you're performing, what you're doing. And so I had to 
there's been too many sets actually. And that's what people don't realize. I think a lot of people think that black folks and people of color want to complain because it's fun. I think people think struggle and, and marginalization is fun now. I think because we're shedding so much light on it, people think it's a great way to get attention. And obviously these are people who are not melanated, but that's not true. Like I would so much rather go to a set and not be othered and start my day, not with racism. Yeah. And you've talked about the fact that you would like to get to the point where black people can get hired and it doesn't feel like a political act where it's yes. just normal. It's just normal. It's just another casting announcement and it's not a big deal and we're Why not reading cool a million things If I get a job! It. I know. I, I know. All right. Okay. Now yeah. tell me the most beautiful parts of being a dark-skinned woman, woman, being able to be that representation for like the kids that maybe, like, you know, kids like you were when you grew up not being able to see enough of that representation. Oh, Absolutely. I want to know the like the joyous parts of what you love about this business, your um, place in it. The joyous parts, and it's hard because I'm very much a don't read the comments person. But every mm-hmm. now and then, like someone will screenshot something and send it to me, or I'll read, I'll venture out and I'll read some things. Um, the the best part is you do it, it. Um, you do it on the toilet, little poogle. <laughs> I call little it that, poogle. little, little poogle. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go on. And that's why you have to sanitize your phones, guys, because people be taking them into the toilet, okay? But you read the comments sometimes. Yeah, and um, the thing that's really special, and I remember growing up as a kid, like I can remember like all pretty much all the dark-skinned Black women that I saw on television. I remember, lo- I've always loved Prince, and he used to have like really beautiful dark-skinned dancers, like backup dancers. Um, You know, there were certain televisions, like, you know, I, I did not grow up in the age of good times, but I very much remember good times because I grew up like hanging out with my grandparents a lot. So like, you know, the Evans, like seeing a dark and black woman with short hair, who's like the matriarch of the family and like a star of the show, you know, Shash Um, you know, so seeing black women in television who were dark like me always made me feel like there was a possibility for me to do it too. But beyond that, you need to see yourself like people talk about representation and i know when you hear the blanket phrase representation matters it feels like you know something that we're always saying but it's true because that's what gives you the confidence to feel like you can take up space and like your thoughts and opinions matter if you never see yourself you know if you're never the standard of beauty if every commercial is white women and light women then you know that's that's hard on the self-esteem because you feel like you you don't exist and so when i see black girls reach out and sapphic black girls um and they talk about my hair or the makeup that they put on me or the clothes that I wear. Um, it's really special because other people getting to have more, uh, like a better time than I did has always been something that I've strived for. Same. Uh, if I can make it better for other people or make the spaces more open for other people. We have a young black girl on our show, Jaden, and, and this is her first television show, like, you know, um, series regular role. And her hairstylist is a black woman who can braid her hair, who can style her hair. She's never had to worry about her hair not being done and done excellently by Cora. Um, that That's an experience that I never had, you know. And so to see her start with that being her first experience and like the standard, that makes me so happy. Because I'm like, wow, like maybe we can change these things. Um, and that goes for every aspect of life, not just entertainment. But yeah, it, 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 um, I love being able to represent culturally for beautiful, dark women. And at the same time, not be a monolith. I've played beautiful, dark-skinned women who are birds, like <laughs> who are very dumb and, <laughs> and silly. You know, I was in a refrigerator in Florida Girls, like talking to a stain for like half of an episode, you know. <laughs> but then also I've got to play, you know, moms who give birth. And, you know, if you talk about the mortality rate with black women in hospitals and care, like mm-hmm. really bad. Um, so being able to play lots of different dark skinned black women and it's a true honor and it's really nice um, when people reach out and say that they appreciate it. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. 
So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. And generally, what do you love about being a performer? Like all, like if it's possible to separate like any, all of, all of that stuff that people impose onto you having to think about it generally as a performer, what do you love about it other than the fact that you enjoy yourself? Like have <laughs> literally just that. I love meeting people. That's how I met you, you know, doing mm-hmm. my podcast and like mm-hmm. love meeting wonderful people like you. Like that's a huge blessing of being a performer is like you're kind of this transient who's always like moving around and 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 meeting new people and having different, wildly different experiences. Um, I love this is something that I'm working on personally, but I still love it as a performer. I can pretty much turn anything into comedy. Um, mm-hmm. personally, I'm learning that I Very hide. offensive, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm learning that I hide behind comedy so as not to have to be vulnerable, which mm-hmm. is not always great. Uh, but I was in the hospital um, Thursday. I went to the ER mm. and um, I have uterine fibroids. I had a procedure. It didn't work out. I'm having surgery soon, Woo-woo. like in two days. And... Um, when I was at the hospital, one, I had to wait six hours. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So I'm sitting there with my homegirl and I was like, oh, girl, like they don't got no celebrities. I, help, I only got a few credits. So how does Beyonce get in the hospital? <laughs> like, I'm like, I don't need her door, but maybe her bodyguard door. Like, <laughs> you know, like the healthcare system, like, God bless everybody in the hospital right now because they're working their asses off. But, you know, it's not like ER, like Grey's Anatomy when you see it and everyone's like, stat, stat. It's like. A lot of hardworking healthcare professionals trying to take care of people. But, you know, we just started cracking jokes. I'm like, well, what if we leave and we go down to the corner and I call an ambulance and then I have them take me here and I start hollering? Like, you think that would work? Uh, mm-hmm. like, you know, and it was a serious situation. Like, I have to have surgery, but I can make comedy out of anything. And, and that's something that I really love about being a performer and meeting people and hearing people laugh, which was hard during the pandemic because that was taken away. Yeah uh is hearing people laugh because that's a huge way that I've always felt like I'm connected to people but when people like my comedy for me it's not validating in the way of like oh I'm funny for me it's validating like wow I have an experience and someone else can relate to that and now I feel connected in that way to these people I don't even know and what's next for you like I mean you've conquered so many things already what now are you going forward and like do you have something in your sights does this shit come by surprise like with me most of my my career is um is a big surprise and I never (laughs) planned on it I'm not prepared for it all the time uh do you have something in mind yeah there's a lot of uh to your credit just exactly what you just said uh surprises that are happening to me right now like surprise do you want to write a book Uh, oh okay Uh, (laughs) Yes. Um, you know, a lot of things like that. Um, I have a movie coming out on Netflix, which is the first movie that I've done on Netflix uh, for Happy Madison. I love Adam Sandler's company because he hires great people and they're all just solid, good people who you have fun with. That's great. So I'm excited for that. Um, more potting, more TV shows in the works and hopefully selling my own. So that's where we're at, which is that's that's a whole feed of things that I don't understand. And I won't lie. I don't like doing things that I don't naturally already know and are good at. (laughs) So it's hard to branch off into new things, but it's also very exciting. That's amazing. I can't wait to watch all the things you're going to go on and do. You're (laughs) such a special presence in this industry and someone who I, I've just, I enjoy so much about what you do. And I love the way that you carry yourself through this industry. And I love that you sort of, in a way that I haven't yet mastered, managed to hold the industry's feet to the fire, but with more dignity than I do. (laughs) (laughs) That's not true. It is true. (laughs) And it's fine. And it's just who I am. And the people people who listen to this know that about me. (laughs) Deep down, I think they like it. Oh my God. No, I'm a straight shooter. Anyway, um, appreciate it. Anyway, before you go, I have to ask you 
Lacey, what do you weigh? Oh, okay. Um, I weigh the conscious responsibility that I have for uplifting marginalized communities. Um, and, and, and that includes not just Black people, Black women, but people of color, people with different abilities, um, disabilities. Um, like it, it runs the gamut. And, and, and sometimes I don't understand how people are marginalized, but I still do my best to understand and to learn and to help however I can. Um, I weigh, you know, loving to be a comedian, but also working to be a person who is fully engaged and vulnerable and not necessarily having to hide behind comedy. I weigh getting over a lot of really tough situations with racism. Um, unfortunately, in this body, I know that they're the maybe the first few, but not the last. But that's definitely something that I'm proud of. Well, I'm very proud of you. And I hope everyone listens to this episode and then goes on to listen to your fantastic podcast <laughs> and watches all of your big films and do all of your TV shows that are coming out and read your book. They see you've been a joy. And thank you so much. And please come back sometime. Yes. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. I Weigh with Jamila Jamil is produced and researched by myself, Jamila Jamil, Aaron Finnegan, and Kimmy Gregory. It is edited by Andrew Carson, and the beautiful music you are hearing now is made by my boyfriend, James Blake. If you haven't already, please rate, review, and subscribe to the show. It's a great way to show your support. We also have a bonus series exclusively on Stitcher Premium called Ask Jamila Anything. Check it out. You can get a free month of Stitcher Premium by going to stitcher.com forward slash premium and using the promo code IWAY. Lastly, over at IWAY, we would love to hear from you and share what you weigh at the end of this podcast. You can leave us a voicemail at 1-818-660-5543 or email us what you weigh at iwaypodcast at gmail.com. And now... We would love to pass the mic to one of our fabulous listeners. I weigh my fear, my conscientiousness. I weigh the fact that I couldn't really say conscientiousness quite right the first time. I weigh the voice that I use when I stand up for uh, for a client in the courtroom. I weigh the anxiety after and the worry that I said something wrong. I weigh my sense of humor and the number of times people have called me a dork lovingly. I weigh quiet nights with a book alone. I weigh a bunch of imperfections and the fact that sometimes I just can't let go of something when I should. I weigh determination. I weigh social anxiety and my fear of being alone. I weigh good, deep, meaningful connections with friends and good, deep, meaningful conversations where we talk about nothing for hours. I weigh my love of writing, but my fear of spelling. I weigh the fact that even as I write this, I'm not quite sure how to define myself. And I weigh the fact that I'm working on it. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.